What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Spring training is a busy time in baseball, not just for players, but also for the agents who represent them. Today, we're talking to veteran agent Tom O'Connell of O'Connell Sports Management, who offers a glimpse into what's cooking for him this spring, from the travel and the meetings with clients and club officials to negotiating a contract extension for one of his young players. As you'll hear, the life of a baseball agent this time of year is a lot more than fun in the sun. So hang with us as we head to spring training with agent Tom O'Connell on Sports 360. Joining me today on Sports 360 is veteran baseball agent Tom O'Connell. And Tom is taking some time out this morning from a lot of traveling on the spring training trail to join us on Sports 360. Tom, how are you doing this morning? Jeff, always a pleasure, my friend. Well, I'm glad to have you back. Uh, you, you know, we had you on the show a couple of months ago um, and we had a good time then. Uh, just talking about various different things. And, you know, Tom, I just wanted to catch up with you um, today to talk about a number of things. I know you've been busy. Uh, This is a busy time of the year for you and other agents who are out there traveling, you know, seeing your clients in Arizona and in Florida. But also, too, this is still the busiest time of the year in terms of contracts for your players, transactions, and all the rest of that. So just wanted to catch up with you a little bit and you know, um, have you talked through for our audience some of the things that that you go through and other agents go through uh, at this busy time of the year? So first of all, man, how are you, how are you holding up? How how's the travels? Everything is good, and I just want the audience to know I'm wearing my official uh, Jeff Finnell Sports 360 <laughs> T-shirt for this interview. Um, it, it gives me uh, great great uh, strength and, and also. Uh, it, a tremendous amount of knowledge as I, as I conduct this interview. So, um, no, it's been great, man. You know, again, obviously it's a busy time of year for me, um, with spring training and, you know, you're, you're, you're balancing a lot of different things. You're balancing not only seeing your, your clients, um, at the major league level and the minor league level, but you also have recruited players for the draft. So you have to, um, kind of, you know, visit those guys, the college players and the high school players. So, um, you have to, you know, truly be organized in your schedule because uh, there's a lot of things that you, you know, and a lot of players that you need to see. Well, let me ask you that in, in particular, because I know, you know, that you are doing the traveling, right? I mean, you know, O'Connell Sports Management, I mean, you are the guy who's on the front line. You are the guy who's out there doing all this. So how, how do you go about it, right? Because you have to hit Florida, and and that's a lot of travel, right, to hit all the spring training camps in Florida. And then also you have to hit Arizona. So how do you go about planning that? So usually what I do is I always start in Florida because I live in Tampa, Florida, So which, um, you know, gives me a, a good base, you know, during spring training. I, I, what I'll tr- tend to do is kind of see, you know, where my guys are. Um, you know, this year I've got six guys in camp with the Mets, um, I have a, a guy in camp with the Astros, one with the uh, 
uh, nationals. So, you know, primarily a lot of my guys are in uh, that Jupiter, Port St. Lucie area. So what I'll do is I'll go down there, spend, you know, a day or two in that area, um, you know, grab dinner with, uh, with, you know, I try to get all my guys together and, and have dinner in one location. Usually I go to, to my man, Constantine at Giuseppe's in Jupiter, one of my favorite places to, to eat during spring training. Uh, they do a great job. And uh, so that's usually, well, that's where I'll start and then, you know, kind of make my way back. I've got, you know, um, Tyler Flowers is down in Northport, so I'll, I'll get down there to see him. I've got Zach Eflin over in Clearwater. And I just, you know, kind of, you know, uh, methodically go about seeing guys, but try to be, um, you know, as productive as I can with seeing some guys, you know, you know, having five or six guys in one area makes makes it a little easier to knock all those guys out at like one big dinner. And then, you know, at the same time, I'm, I'm also, you know, going in, watching the workouts, um, you know, going to games as well, trying to see um, as many executives and, and front office people I can see, marketing people, just to, you know, overall get a, a feel for, you know, not only where my guys are uh, as far as how they're doing in spring training, but, you know, get a sense of what, you know, the, the year is going to be entailed for them. Right. And and you do that in Florida, and I guess it's the same drill in Arizona. At, at some point, yeah. then you hop a plane, go to Arizona, and, and you do the same thing out there. Yeah, I just got back from Arizona. I was out there for eight days. And, and you know, Arizona is a little easier than Florida. Uh, because you everybody's kind of in one location. I mean, all the teams are in Phoenix, so it makes makes your life a lot easier. You, you can be way more uh, productive, you know, and, and um, really get a, get everybody kind of in under one roof. So what I usually do there is I'll get everybody together one night. We have a big dinner. Um, this year we did it at Mastro's, which is another uh, obviously great restaurant out there in Scottsdale, and they've always been very very good to us. And um, you know, and again, same thing, just kind of see, go around, see your guys. And I usually try to catch at least one game a day or go to a workout um, every day and, and um, you know, just kind of make sure that I'm seeing all my guys that uh, are in that, you know, Phoenix area. Yeah. Now, in, in addition to seeing your guys and, and you, like you said, you might take in a game a day or whatever, um, certainly it's not just fun in the sun, right? I mean, there's a lot of you know, business that I'm sure you try to conduct with club officials, but also dealing with your players who, as you described earlier, right, they're at different levels. You got some major league guys. You got some guys who are trying to make it to the majors and the high minors. You have guys in the low minors. You got recent draftees and all the rest of it. So just tell us, talk a little bit about the business that's going on, because it's not all just sitting in the sunshine watching games, right? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, you have, first off, you have, you know, your zero to three players um, that you have to negotiate their contracts for, which are guys that are not qualified yet for salary arbitration. But, you know, every year um, you have to negotiate with the club on their behalf. Um, most of these teams use formulas, so there's really not a ton of negotiating that goes on, but yet you still want to walk your, your player through what their offer is, um, how far over the minimum salary is. This year the minimum salary changed and went up. So um, a lot of times um, – the clubs will give a, a small raise or, or, you know, a big raise depending on the player if he's an all-star or an MVP type of player um, over the minimum salary. So you have to, you know, kind of go through that and explain to the player why and how they fit in amongst their their group of players. And some guys are one year, two year, three years. So 
um, you have to kind of look at that. And then, um, you know, um, really that's no, there's really not a lot of negotiating that goes on on the minor league side. Most of those guys are under control and, but you still, you know, you want to see them and make sure that you kind of sit down with them and let them know, um, you know, where you think they're going to potentially end up. If they're going to start in high A, double A, triple A, um, you know, and, and again, those, they're all, it's a very nervous time for place too, because I mean, you know, you're, you're trying to make a club, you're trying to figure out where you're going to end up. And then you have your free agents that maybe are not signed yet. And you're still trying to um, get them jobs. So, you know, this year I, ended up having to put on a workout the first time I had to do it, but put on a workout for my own signed free agents and, you know, tried to get those guys situated, um, whether it be with a major league affiliate, um, an independent team, or even, you know, overseas. So, um, you know, again, there's a lot involved in that and, and you just, you know, want to, you know, every day you're pretty much trying to do something uh, along the lines of A, seeing your guys, B, educating your guys as far as contract stuff. And then, you know, and then see just trying to, uh, you know, get guys jobs that don't have jobs right now. Right. And so in, in short, there's a lot of work that is going on as you make your rounds in, in spring training. Um, and, you know, on that score time, I want to jump to something that has been recently in the news with you and one of your clients and just, uh, and that is with Aaron Bummer, um, you know, a relief pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. And you were able to negotiate an extension for Aaron over the, I guess maybe what, two weeks ago now, um, five years, 16 million. Um, and Tom, first of all, let me just say this. I've been around a long time, as you know, you and I work together on a lot of things and, you know, um, I want to get your thoughts on extensions in particular, but at the same time, I first want to give you a shout out and a congratulations on what was a really good deal for Aaron. Um, at his level of seniority, you know, the type of pitcher he is, you know, he's a setup man, non-closing relief pitcher. And this is one of the better deals to come along, one of the better extensions to come along for uh, a pitcher of this type. And so, first of all, congratulations on that. It was really good work. Um, but just talk us through a little bit about that, you know, how it came about and, um, you know, the player education part, the dealing with the club part, because obviously that's was um, some really good work that took place this spring. Yeah, sure. Um, look, yeah, basically, uh, Jeremy Haber, their assistant GM, called me uh, right after FanFest and um, offered, um, you know, to engage on on a multi-year extension for Aaron. So we were, you know, again, it was uh, obviously it's always an exciting time for a player when he's, when he's able to um, get that type of offer. So, the uh, you know we basically have what we have to do because um, Aaron is uh, not eligible for salary arbitration. The uh, players association kind of makes us go through this procedure where you know we sit down and we you know put together a um, a book of exhibits to allow us to you know truly educate the player on value. And you know how we do it is we just kind of go year to year as if the player wasn't salary arbitration and kind of you know, give him an idea or a sense of where he would be based on performance that he would have in 2020. So we went through that process. Um, and then we had kind of a framework of what we felt would be, you know, a, um, an area where, you know, a good settlement would be on a, on a multi-year deal. Um, we uh, went back and forth for probably about 20 days. And then ultimately, 
um, we were able to to secure a contract that that Aaron's very happy with, and, and obviously we're happy with. And so um, it's always a very exciting time when uh, when you're able to secure um, a contract of that magnitude, where, where a player is is basically now set for life, and, and it's a, just a very rewarding feeling um, on the agent aspect of it. That's for sure. And and you know you mentioned you know going through. Um, the education process with your client, with the player, um, and how the Players Association makes this a requirement. And and again, it's it's, it's to protect all players um, because it's it's important to try to get as close to market value as you can in the context of a multi-year deal. But and you and you're right, there is this upside of hey man, I can get some security if you're the player, but it has to be weighed against you know making sure that you understand what your year to year value is because, you know, if you go year to year, you know, there may be an opportunity to do better, but at the same time you have, you know, you know, there could be some down performance. There could be injuries and all the rest of it. How do you weigh those competing interests security versus perhaps doing better if you went year to year, but having to take on the, the risk of injury or down performance? Well, look, I, I've had guys do both. You know, I mean, um, I was fortunate enough to represent Mike Dunn um, as a left-handed setup man. Um, you know, he had to go year to year, and it's tough. It's tough because, you know, that role is, is so volatile. You know, you can, um, you know, the thing about being a setup man or, or even a closer, you know, you can, you know, if you have five or six bad ones in a row, you can lose your job and lose your role, you know. So I think that, you know, clearly you're always betting on you got to be successful. And I think we all think our guys going to, you know, do tremendous every year. And, and most of the time they do. But again, I just think the, the biggest thing is, is if, if the values are correct or in, and in the ballpark or where you would be on a year to year basis, then it makes it a little bit easier um, to be able to pull the trigger on, on a potential extension. And I think that's kind of what we did here. We looked at, you know, if, if he stayed in the same role um, in uh, in Chicago, I mean, and clearly right now, um, you know, they, they've got a very good bullpen uh, with Colome and Ciszek and Herrera and Aaron and, and others. So we just kind of looked and said, you know, again, what what's the path to saves? Because saves are really what um, pay or a relief pitcher in salary arbitration. And, you know, we then looked at the values of what they were offering him on this five-year deal. And we felt that if he stays in the setup role, um, this is going to be a very, very good contract for him. And, you know, we were, we felt comfortable about that. And so we, we decided to, uh, to pull the trigger. And, and uh, but again, it's just really looking um, at where he would be year to year. And again, just because I've had, you know, him and Luke Gregerson and, and guys like that go through this as relief pitchers, I kind of understand, you know, how it works uh, for non-closing relievers. And so that's where we looked at this deal. That was really kind of how we valued it. Yeah. And one of the things, Tom, that I think about as well with pitchers that are a bit different than position players is that, you know, every pitcher out there, starting pitcher, relief pitcher, uh, is one pitch away from, you know, tearing a UCL or something like that and being out for an extended period of time. And it's not that you, you know, play the game scared or as an agent, you operate out of fear, 
but that's a reality as well. And so when I, I would take it when any pitcher is offered an extension, as you said, if, if the dollars are somewhat near, you know, um, what would be his value if he went year to year, you have to really think about it carefully, you know, especially because of what I just mentioned, right? You know, a pitcher is one pitch away from perhaps tearing a UCL. Yeah. I mean, look, I think, you know, we did, I did a similar extension uh, with John Neese when he was a two plus player for, with the, with the New York Mets and it was a five-year deal. And, and, you know, it was, it was, uh, um, again, a deal that really worked out well for John. Um, You know, he, uh, uh, pitched very well in, in certain years of those, of those, of that con- that contract. And, you know, and, and it, but again, I think it was when, when John did the deal, I'll never forget, you know, after he just felt, felt, you know, very secure now that he can just worry about going out and performing and, and knowing that, you know, financially he's taking care of, of his family. So, um, and then I was able to do one for Wade Miley um, in the, in the uh, concept of salary arbitration when, you know, he was at the Boston Red Sox. He had just gotten traded over there, and, and we were able to work out a three-year deal um, for him with the Red Sox in, in his first year of arbitration. So, and again, same same thing. I, I think once a player secures that type, those types of, of dollars, um, it's just a relief knowing that, okay, now all I have to do is worry about going out performing, making sure that I'm prepared year in, year out uh, to answer the bell in, at the, the beginning of the season and in spring training. So, but again, it's just they know that um, – they're taking care of god forbid there is an injury god forbid there's some down performance you know where they're set uh because of the fact that they did uh perform at a high level in order to secure that type of contract and that's the other thing too like you know Aaron, you know performed at a very high level last year and that's why the white Sox felt he was a big part of their future um and the same thing back when i did it for john Neese with the mets the mets felt that john was a key piece of their rotation you know, when, when Wade got traded over to, to Boston, same thing. They, the, the Red Sox and Ben Sherrington felt that, you know, Wade was going to be a, a, an integral piece moving forward for the Red Sox. So I think when players are offered these types of extensions, it's because ownership and management view him as, as a key piece to hopefully building a championship in that city. And, and I think that that's what the White Sox are trying to do now. They've locked up some other of their young players. And, and I think that, you know, sometimes – you know, you have to be on the right club that's looking to compete for a championship in order to get these types of extensions. And, and I think, you know, in every guy that I've ever done them for, um, that was, that was, you know, basically part of the equation that they were on teams that were trying to win a World Series and they would be able to benefit, on, they were benefit, able to benefit because of that. You're right. You're right. There's no question. I mean, you know, the, and you make a good point in terms of where the teams are in looking to compete for a championship. I think that's one part of it. But the other part, right, that we can't overlook is the player needs to be performing at a high level, right? That right. the team says, you know what, I want to lock him up. And so I think that, you know, you know, with, with any player out there, if they're approached with a, potential extension um it's it's a testament to their performance to that point and where the team sees him fitting in as they try to compete for a championship so that 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 certainly is part of it so um 
you know, again, I mean, there's there's been a lot of extensions too, and this is the time of the year for it, right? Spring training. We sure. saw it last year. You know, we saw uh, so many extensions, and haven't seen that many so far. But we're early, and my sense will be that over the next couple of weeks, we will see more extensions as we get closer to the opening day. Because again, um, you know, for teams, they get cost certainty. For the player, they get some measure of security. Um, and so, you know, I, I think we'll continue to see extensions as we go forward. Yeah, I think it's like you said, it's a win, win, win for everybody. I mean, I think the player obviously wins for the for the fact that he's now hopefully gotten life-changing money. And, and for the team, you're getting a player that you really, truly believe in. Uh, that's part of your, you know, that's part of, hopefully going to, you know, bring a championship to that city. So, again, I think, you know, like, like you know, not to sound repetitive, but that's just what those teams target those type of guys, those franchise type of players that they feel will, will you know, be, you know, hopefully in that city for, for many years, you know. Yeah. But, you know, one thing, Tom, though, and, and we can't have this discussion without also talking about this, and that is, you know, when you have these extensions, one of the things that teams always look to do is to include one or more free agent years uh, as part of the deal. And, you know, obviously free agency is, you know, a, a very important right for players. Um, you know, we've seen like this past year, some, you know, some huge contracts for players who were free agents, right? Garrett Cole, Strasburg, Rendon, and others, you know, who really did well as free agents. We know there's been some issues with free agency over the past couple of years um, where the market was cold uh, this year. It was a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, it, there, there is a price to the ticket uh, when it comes to extensions, and that is the player is usually asked to give up one or more free agent years. And, you know, that's those are those are valuable considerations. So we can't leave that out of the discussion because that certainly is part of it as well no absolutely and, and i think that you know that was that was a, a very big part of this negotiation you know we wanted to make sure um that his free agent years were you know market value um and we felt we accomplished that um with with, with uh him making um 725 and 75 which is you know kind of right in the middle of what you know sentiment have been getting um you know uh over the last couple of markets so you know, that was something that as we went into it, um, we felt that, you know, that was very important to us. Um, and uh, we felt we, we accomplished that. So, but you're right. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the option years are, are key, you know, um, and uh, as long as you can, you know, secure solid value in those option years, um, you know, it's a little bit more palatable, you know, but at the same time, again, understanding that, you know, you may, go into your walk year and, you know, have a tremendous year, um, the club, you know, will exercise those options and that's where they get their value. Sure. Sure. Well, let's switch gears for a minute because part of the off season also for baseball agents includes salary arbitration. And, you know, you had um, Zach Eflin, who you mentioned earlier, starting pitcher with the Philadelphia Phillies, who was eligible for arbitration for the first time this past off season. And you were able to get a deal done there. Um, how, how, how good was that in order to get it uh, for you to get a deal done for Zach? Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, anytime you go through it for the first time, 
Um, it's uh, it's kind of a little overwhelming for the player. You know, you basically start preparing as soon as the season is over. Um, and, you know, as you well know, because you and I work together in salary arbitration. By the way, congratulations on a tremendous salary arbitration season for yourself. A couple wins I know you were part of and, uh, and one yourself. So uh, very nicely done. And, uh, but no, okay. I think that the biggest, the biggest thing for us was just, you know, you, you know how much preparation goes into to every case, you know, and, you know, you start, you know, in the summertime, really starting to kind of um, basically identifying um, who his class is going to be. Uh, and then, you know, you start once the season's over, you know, I met with Zach back in November in Orlando, and we just started talking about, you know, potential comps. Um, you know, we knew this year was going to be interesting because he was going to have a couple guys in his class that were going to uh, be a, um, probably very important to his overall case, which was was what actually happened in, th in this particular case. So um, it, it just really is more about um, – and, and the funny thing is, too, like when you're sitting down, we know that there's really not a lot of action until, you know, the day of exchange, um, which is in January. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of really changed over the years because I remember back, you know, when we first started doing it together in, in the uh, – Gregerson and, and uh, um, Dundee's, there would be a, there would be some conversations leading up to the day of exchange. And if for your listeners, the days of, of exchange is kind of when uh, you have to file a number on behalf of your player, the club has to file a number on behalf of the team. So, um, and you create a midpoint, and, and ultimately, if it goes to hearing, um, you have to argue if your player is better than than that midpoint. So, you know, back in the day, there used to be a lot of of you know preliminary conversations, and it seems like there really isn't any anymore. It's really the, the conversation start, you know, heating up on the day of, of exchange. And, you know, there's, you know, quite a few settlements that will, will be uh, had most on that day. And then, you know, obviously players that can't get it done will exchange numbers and, and end up in a hearing. And, and I think now most of the teams are filing trials. So unless you come to a resolution, um, you're going to end up in a hearing unless you agree on a multi-year deal. So you know, there's a lot involved in it. And I think that, you know, um, for the first time a player goes through it, he, you know, he's amazed by, you know, all the, the conversations that can happen within the course of four hours. Um, and, you know, Zach did a wonderful job this year as far as, you know, we felt, you know, that we had our value properly, um, you know, that we put the proper evaluation on Zach and, and he uh, was able to, you know, secure a contract that he was very happy with. And you know, Tom, one of the things that um, I was impressed with, with Zach, and, and, you know, I think this is a testament to what you did with him in terms of informing him of, you know, the process, his value and everything else, and other agents do the same thing. And I think that's one of the things that gets overlooked, or maybe is not as well known about the job of an agent, and that is keeping their client informed uh, and educated, particularly on his market value, no matter what it might be, you know, as a zero to three player, as a, sal a salary arbitration player or in free agency. And one of the things that really impressed me was that Zach was well-informed. Um, he, he knew about the process. He knew about his value. And because of that, he was willing to make a prince, you know, to make an informed decision on, you know, whether or not to accept an offer. And that's so important for 
um, for the player and for the agent, because the more informed your player is, then I think it makes it that much easier for the agent to do his job in negotiating with the club. Well, I, I think too, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, we've been through this before, right. You know, with, with Mike Dunn and, and Gregerson over the years and with other players and, you know, you kind of, you know, if, you, if you've done it before, you kind of get a sense of how it could end up playing out on the day of exchange. And that was the biggest thing that I was able to do um, with Zach was say, look, um, this is where I feel we need to be dug in at. And, you know, um, it was a, you know, I, I dealt with Scott Profrock of the Phillies. He's great. Scott's, Scott's a pro. And, you know, he had obviously his marching orders and, you know, I had my marching orders from, from, you know, our side. And, you know, again, you just, you, you, you try to um, work to uh, the best resolution possible. Sometimes you're not going to agree and they're going to have their views on why the player's value is this. And we have our views on why we feel the player's value is, is um, what we see, how we see it. So, you know, but ultimately um, I think that we, we came to a resolution based on, you know, a lot of conversations and, but I think Zach did a really good job as far as he was willing to go to hearing if, if we couldn't get to where we needed to be. And, and I think that's the biggest thing for players is the fact that, you know, you need to, you need to be willing to go. If you're willing to go to hearing, you know, you're going to get the club's best bullet. And, and I think that's the best part about arbitration is, you know, like going back to negotiating a multi-year extension as, as a pre-art player, you know, you're going to get to, a part in the negotiation where that's going to be the end and there is no platform to go into a hearing to if you don't agree with the with the club's offer that you can um you know basically have someone else sell it for you in a in a pre-arb extension this is our best bullet take it or leave it whereas in salary arbitration if you can't come to a resolution on the contract then you're able to go into a hearing uh, in either Florida or Arizona in front of a three-person panel, and they will decide it for you. So I think that's the one thing that, you know, when you talk to players and you educate players, that's the value of salary arbitration, the fact that if we can't agree on the, on the number, then we'll let somebody else figure it out for us and, and, and put on our, our best case and, and show that why we feel the value is what it is. So um, that, for me, is what I think you know, is the real value of arbitration for, for players is the fact that it gives you that, that platform to negotiate a really strong deal. Um, and if you can't get something that you're happy with, then you have, you know, the avenue to be able to get the result, hopefully, that you want. So, Right. I mean, you, you have the opportunity to go in and to try to, you know, win your case. And, and fight for the number that you believe is the right one. So, um, so listen, man. Um, so what's on tap? I mean, this is, as we're sitting here talking today, it's early March. Um, so what does the rest of the spring look like for you? Yeah. So basically, you know, now what I'll do is, is I'll start making my rounds again in Florida. And it's just, it's a, con- you know, you, again, you're constantly every day trying to figure out where you're going to go. Um, you know, you pick your spots on, on, on certain weeks. I mean, you know, I've got two little ones in my life, so I, my, my kids are 10 and 7, so I'm going to try to mix in a couple of lacrosse games and, and uh, you know, and, and spend a little time with them, um, but ultimately take them hopefully to a couple of games, and it's always fun to take my kids and my wife to some spring training games throughout the course of, the, of, of March, and so we'll do that, and then, you know, it's just, again, start to see the high school guys, making sure that you're, you know, touching base with your college guys, and 
it's just, it, it really never stops, you know, and then I'll head back out to Arizona in about um, 10 days to see the guys that weren't there yet when um, I was first out there because the minor league guys report a little later than guys going to major league camp. Uh, and then it's, and then ultimately it comes down to the end because I've got, you know, four guys this, this particular um, spring that are out of options that have to make clubs. Uh, and, you know, that's when that's obviously when the rubber meets the road at the end of spring training is, you know, you're hoping that all your guys have good springs and they're, they'll be uh, on their first opening day rosters for some of them. So um, that's always an exciting time. And there's no better feeling than when you're, you know, going north with the team um, to make an opening day roster. So, um, you know, obviously there's, there's pressure for players with that. So you have to kind of, you know, help them navigate those waters as well. Well, it sounds like there's a lot ahead and, you know, once spring training is over and the season begins, I'm sure you, you know, try to get home for a little bit and, and, and get some extended, some extended family time and some R and R and, and all the rest of it. But, uh, I'm definitely going to try to play some golf as soon as spring training is over. I do actually, I take that back though. Anybody who knows me knows I do, uh, like to play golf with my clients during spring training. So I, uh, <laughs> I do get, I, it's not all work. Anybody who knows me knows that I am not afraid to, uh, dip out on the golf course in the afternoon with my guys and, uh, and, uh, and play, play 18 holes. So we, we enjoy doing that. And, and, uh, I actually, I'm, I'm very, uh, fortunate that a lot of those guys got me back into golf years ago. Cause I hadn't played for years. And, and, uh, but you know, Mr. Miley, Mr. Gregerson, Mr. Neese, they, they love playing golf. So, and they get to play some really nice golf courses. So we're able to, uh, you know, ignite that fire again. And, and uh, so that is something that I really enjoy doing is, is uh, teeing up with the boys during spring trains. That's always a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, and look, given, given all the, you know, the, the travel and, and the work that's involved and, you know, that certainly is needed, you know, to take some time and, and get in a little, get in a little exercise, a little golf. So that's good. But, uh, Listen, man. Listen, Tom. Uh, again, man, I, I appreciate you uh, taking some time out from, you know, a, a really busy time of the year and, you know, just coming in and talking with us a little bit about, you know, some of the things that go on uh, on that spring training trail. So all the best to you, man. I'm sure we're going to catch up again uh, and talk about some things, but I appreciate you coming on today um, and just sharing a little bit about you know, the spring training experience from the agent perspective. Well, I, I truly appreciate you having me on, buddy. And I just, I actually love doing this show for the, for the swag that I get after. You, you know what I mean? Cause <laughs> I know, I know that, you know, as you always continue to up your game, you know, I look forward to when I get the, you know, Jeff Finnell Sports 360, the, the latest, you know, the swag, the swag bag. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I know that now that I've kind of, put you on notice here i'm expecting uh to be you know very uh to to, to be get a very great gift from my man jeff Fennell because i know he's a pro and he, and he uh is very uh is a very generous guy so looking forward to that big guy <laughs> all right you got it man <laughs> you got it right. look for that well, in the mail yeah man uh, get, best of luck with everything say, say hello to your lovely wife and, and uh buddy you have a great uh, rest of your week and thanks for having me on i really appreciate it yeah thanks tom and i'll talk to you soon See you, buddy. Bye. Bye.